Podcast Network Asia. The one I wanted to, to talk about was Revelation 21, verse 1. Oh. Because in Revelation 21, verse 1, it begins by saying, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. So people freak out. What do you mean, a new heaven and a new earth? The first one passes away. What are you, what are you talking about? Right? This is why people think that the planet is going to be obliterated and the exactly. world as we know it is going to be destroyed. It's going to be wiped out. So the most important verse is Genesis chapter 37. Okay, Genesis chapter 37 verses 9 to 11. It's the most important one to give us an understanding that there's a different way to think about the sun, moon, and stars. But think about what Jacob did. He didn't think that the literal sun, moon, and stars was going to bow down to his son. He, he equated himself to the sun. Wait, wait, wait. So in that context, it was father, mother, and brothers. Exactly. And what were they? They were God's chosen people. Oh, I'm so excited for this um, conversation that we're about to have. This is a big one, Instructor Aaron. Like the heaven and earth, sun, moon, and stars. You can say like the three kinds of heaven, if you will, Whoa. or even just the sun, moon, and stars. So I'm kind of putting it together a little bit because it's it's so big. So I'll talk about it I'll talk about it in this one, and then actually it's spoken again later in the lessons too, because it's a big one, just like you said. Okay, yeah, that's a that's a mouthful of a title, but it's okay. We will get through it, and this is episode number 168. We're back with Issa Litton. Issa Hi, is everybody. a host. She's an actress. She also runs her own business of like just training people in public speaking and managing and training and, you know, what, else, what she does professionally, she shares with other people, okay? One lip corp is is what it's called so he's just back with us yeah and um we're gonna break down this figurative language that we see in the book of revelation yes it just clicked in and please do not do do not (laughs) i i know if i say what's in my head i'm gonna be like "Uh oh someone's gonna whip me from the back like did you really just but for this generation when you say sun, moon, stars, especially if you're a fan of a certain show in HBO oh. in the last couple of years, when you say my sun, no moon, my sun and stars, you would know what I mean. Hmm. Nobody I'm, knows I'm, what you mean on this podcast I'm thinking, anyway. Like, I'm I was just thinking <laughs> that uh, sun and moon... Nope. Sun and Moon is so like, uh, oh, that's so Miss Saigon, and we have a theater actress with us. <laughs> no, no, no. This is uh, this is um, HBO's uh, Game of Thrones. Oh, Game oh. of Thrones. Yes. That is, okay. That's what okay. uh, the dragon, the, the Targaryen girl called each other when they were, when when he was with Khal Drogo. It was my sun and stars. Oh. So, oh. My sun and stars, yes. Yeah, so it's just funny when you're saying, you're trying to break it down. I'm like, uh uh-oh, this is a generation that knows that phrase. Especially if you were into Game of Thrones. And it did not end well. Yeah, right? Yeah. It's when when the sun sets in the, it's something. So I'm I'm curious to see. Because again, most great writing is based on something. Just like, you know, uh, J.K. Rowling, Harry Potter, when you research certain words, what they mean, the anatomy of a word, why she chose to make or invent that word to fit the story, there's genius behind it. Mm. Mm. And I'm from, I'm a lover of 
the greatest writer, if not the Bible, of course, that's the Bible, Shakespeare. So mm-hmm. I'm into words big time. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm curious wow. this one. Yeah, yeah. I, read, I, I read the books uh, quite a long time ago, George R.R. R. Martin. I got yes. into them like a long time ago and I actually got my wife to read them. And so I've read them twice because I read them with her the second time. And it's, it's the same oh, thing. Sweet. Like, my leg. <laughs> it was when it was when, she was it was when she was pregnant with our first um our first oh, daughter. God. So we would be at the we'd be at the you know uh, paternity clinic and we she'd be reading. We were called the reading couple because we did. You have to sit there for like an hour and a half to two hours sometimes, you know. But every time it was the same thing because my roommate's the one that turned me on to those books and those books are so frustrating. Oh, so frustrating because you know that you. It's the main character, and all of a sudden they're gone. You know, I was like, "Wait, what? <laughs> what just happened?" You know? First season, you kill off the lead. Oh, the it's crazy. Everyone cares about. We've said on past episodes how a lot of pop culture we just don't know it, but they're based on things that we see in the Bible, words that we say in regular oh, yeah. conversation. We first see them in the Bible, things like that. So I think it's totally cool that you made that connection. Back to our sun, moon, and stars. Back to the book that we are discussing on the show, which is the Bible, particularly the book of Revelation, which is about the second coming. This is prophecy. We have a church here and you have a new church of Jesus that is proclaiming that the events that are prophesied in the book are happening uh, right now, have happened. There's still more to come, I suppose. Um, And we really have to break down the prophecy because as we've said many times on the show, Instructor Aaron, yes, we know that this is a book of prophecy, but if we do not know what the prophecies are, then how do we know that they're fulfilling, right? And mm-hmm. it's a process. Today, we're talking about, as you said earlier, heaven and earth, sun, moon, and stars. Did you say three kinds of heaven? I know, right? Three. Yeah, three kinds of heaven and earth, actually. There's different ways of oh. understanding. So okay. I'm going to use what I'm going to use what Isa said, actually, when you talked about the sun, moon, and stars, or how she called them that. If in the book or in the in the you know the tv series if they had not explained what she meant by that then we wouldn't know right she's the one that called him that it could mean so many things to her and the only person that could really make it understood would be you know her because when she calls him that she's doing it for a specific reason it means something to her right so just like if i called somebody you know um you know my tulip it's an example i like to use okay so I know my, my mom's favorite flower is a tulip, right? Aww. It's like that. But let's say I'm reading, let's say I'm, I'm writing poetry and I write, you know, ah, oh, the tulip opened the world to me, right? And then in your mind, you're like, well, wait, okay, a tulip's from Holland. Okay, so maybe he traveled to Holland and that's why, you know, maybe that was the first experience he had, you know, traveling or something like that. You can make up any story that you want. But if I told you, oh no, actually, you know, my, my, you know, wife's favorite flower, my mother's favorite flower is a tulip. And she's the one that taught me about things outside of my own little bubble, my own little world that then you're like, Oh, that's what it means. So then you go back, just like you're talking about Shakespeare, right? You go back. If you don't know what Shakespeare means by his words, then that's why they have all these classes to interpret what he's saying a lot. Right. Mm. Yeah. So if you don't know, then it's really hard to understand where he's coming from. But if the author, if you could ask the author, what did you mean by this, right? What is it that you meant by this? And if he's able to give you that understanding, then it opens up that that knowledge to you. Now, I know there's something called uh, dead to the author. Have you guys heard about that? 
there's a friend of mine who's actually he's he likes he's writing right now you know somebody that i just met recently and he's been writing books and um there's a thing called dead to the author which when you're when the author's been gone for a long period of time the people that are reading that book in a different generation or different era they can make it mean something and it's not necessarily wrong because it may mean something different in that generation than the original generation yes that's true yeah but the bible is not meant to be like that the Bible is not meant to be changed generation after generation. It's the, the meanings of the word remain the same until the fulfillment comes. Right? That's the only thing that allows it to be known or understood in the way that it was meant to be understood. It's because God is not dead, first off, right? <laughs> so the author is not gone, okay? He's still around. <laughs> but the fulfillment has to be the same as when God promised it because he already had in his mind, in his heart, what he was going to do. So you can't change the meaning of what it's meant to be because then it won't fit the fulfillment. Does that make sense? Hmm. That's why adding or subtracting is so like detrimental. Yes. What about uh, interpreting it to be relevant to, to the audience or to the generation? Uh, hmm. Example, uh, our Pope now, uh, you know, embr embracing LGBTQ or even how he's saying, come back to the church, that uh, church annulments are granted because he just doesn't want to lose people anymore. Mm. So it's right. our Pope now. And it is winning the hearts of people because it's the faith. And how he says it is, again, it's not a, about a vengeful God. It's about a loving and merciful God. So the ideas are the same. You know, the value, what the core, I would really like to believe mm. the core is the same. It's just, you are interpreting it to a new crowd. No, I, I totally understand. Let, let me clarify just one little part. A difference between moral teachings or instructions and prophecy. Moral teachings and instructions, that's something that could mean something different generation after generation. Right? Because we, we're not living in the same era. We don't have the same relationships when it comes to even man and woman or, you know, between slave and owner, you know, things like this that are in the scriptures. We don't have that kind of relationship. So it means something different, moral teachings wise. But when it comes to prophecy specifically, that's what I mean that doesn't change. Got that's it. all that's yeah. all I meant. Gotcha. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's never open for interpretation. Prophecy. Exactly. And let's make that black and white. Right. Okay. Because, because man can never figure out what God has kept hidden. So, for example, in the Old Testament, there is the sealed scroll. Okay, It's too much to get into right now because we do have a lot you know, jump into. But there's a sealed scroll. And basically what it says is the vision that God gives, which is a prophecy, no one can understand it. You can read it all day long, but you'll never understand it because God is the one that wrote it. And he doesn't want you to understand yet. It's meant for a, an appointed time, as it says. Habakkuk says that, write it down, right? Write it down, make sure you know the revelation, but it awaits an appointed time. And then when that time comes, God will make it known. So when was that? The time of the first coming. That's when Jesus was making known that truth. Yep. That makes and sense so far? Seven. It's not just one seal. There are seven seals. That's in Revelation 5. Exactly. So Isaiah 29, that's Old Testament, and it was fulfilled 
in the time of the first coming. So the sealed scroll was then revealed or opened in the time of the first coming. So Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapters one, two, and three talks about how Ezekiel is chosen and how in a vision, he receives an open scroll and eats it and then is told to testify. But Ezekiel is actually prophetic of Jesus, right? Ezekiel is called the son of man. All the things that Ezekiel did, God was using him as what's called a person parable for Jesus because Jesus is the real son of man. He's the one that received the word of God, right? John 17, verse eight, I gave them the word you gave me. So God gave Jesus the word and he preached that word. And anyone that was willing to listen, they were listening to the open word, not the sealed word at that time, meaning he was explaining all the prophecies of the Old Testament. And what you pointed out was in Revelation 5, there's another sealed scroll and it's sealed with seven seals. We actually did an episode on the, the seals themselves and what that actually means. But when you think about Revelation, no one understands what it means, right? They, they, you can read it every single day. And that's why there's thousands of commentaries, right? Thousands of commentaries because everyone thinks of it in a, well, it could be this, it could be that, it could be this. That's what it means that it's sealed. God wrote it, but he didn't tell anybody what it meant. But eventually what it promises in Revelation chapter five, Jesus is the one that receives it. And then he begins to open up the seals in Revelation six. And then the final one in Revelation chapter eight, then it's open completely. So then in Revelation 10, you have an angel who has an open scroll and he gives it to somebody to eat once again. Right. And his job is to testify about that fulfillment. So just as Jesus testified the open scroll of the Old Testament, there's somebody that has to testify the open scroll of Revelation. Mm. Yeah. So when you look at Revelation chapter one, verse one, it says the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show the servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John. So the revelation of Jesus Christ, meaning Jesus is the one that opens it, but God gave it to him right? Revelation 5, God gives him the scroll. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John. Hence, Revelation 10, there's an angel with an open scroll that gives it to John. Now, when that scroll is then opened and the prophecies are being fulfilled, then we can understand what God meant when he says verses like we're looking at about the sun, moon, and stars. And the more specifically, the one I wanted to, to talk about was Revelation 21, verse 1. Oh, because in Revelation 21, verse 1, it begins by saying, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. So people freak out. What do you mean a new heaven and a new earth? The first one passes away. What are you, what are you talking about? Right? This is why people think that the planet is going to be obliterated, and the exactly. world as we know it is going to be destroyed. It's going to be wiped out. Right? Correct. So what we need to do is to first understand how God promises, what he does. And God uses the physical things of the world to actually prophesy about the future. And he does so in a way to hide the actual understanding, right? This is what Jesus says. I, in Matthew chapter 13, he says, the reason that I'm speaking in parables is to hide the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. It sounds kind of opposite of what most people think, that God would want everyone to know. But there's an enemy in the world. There's an enemy in the world that we pointed out in the last episode that wants to hinder the work of God. So how do you stop the enemy from hindering the work unless you keep it a secret, right? Until the appointed time. 
And then when the appointed time comes, God makes it known to the people that on his side who are meant to do the work of God, but the enemy is not meant to understand. So how do you do that? If we can all read the revelation, if we can all read the same book, how is it that some people are able to understand and some people are not? That's a, I mean, that's a really big question, right? So that's why we have to understand how God works, how he reveals things, how he makes things known. So God uses the physical things of the world. He can use, as we're looking at today, the things of the heavens and the things of the earth. He can use the sun, the moon, the stars. He can use trees and rocks to prophesy about the future. And just like I talked about the tulip, to me, it means something. To other people, it could mean anything, right? It's the flower. Yeah. So when God says the heavens and the earth, what does he mean? Not what do I think he means, what, not what it means to me, but what does God mean when he actually says it at that moment? Because in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 and 9, it says that God's thoughts are not my thoughts, right? God's ways are not my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, right? So are God's thoughts higher than my thoughts. So now we have to ask, okay, what, what do you mean, God, when you say heaven and earth, sun, moon, and stars? And what's the way that we can understand it? Well, the only way is when God opens that knowledge and then we use the scriptures to actually prove what these things mean. You can think about it in, again, like I said, many different ways. So the first one is just the absolute physical. You go outside right now, it's, it's nighttime for us. You go outside and you look up, you can see the stars. You can see the moon if it's not a, a new moon, right? If it's the, the full moon or anything other. You can see it if it's not cloudy. And then during the day, what do you see? You see the sun. So that's the physical heavens, right? The physical heavens. And then you look down and we live on the physical earth. Okay, so that's the first way that you understand it, a very physical thing. But then you take it one step further and there is the spiritual. The spiritual heavens are not something that you can see with your physical eyes, right? We've got the telescopes that are out there. We had the Hubble you know, telescope for a long time, the newest one which is the new one that actually just, oh, it's so amazing. It's giving us the most amazing pictures. I love science too. I'm a big science nerd, but actually people didn't even know that the universe existed up until about a hundred years ago. Mm -hmm. right? Only a hundred? Yeah. Kind of. No. They oh thought that God. all the stars- It's definitely within this century, Sammy. Yeah. They thought that all the stars that we saw were a part of our galaxy. But in reality, actually, we are you know, able to see more um, it's really interesting. The Hubble, the Hubble telescope is one of the ways to do it. Hubble himself, what it's named after, he's the one that started to figure that out, but he couldn't have done it without the help of, um, oh, and again, I'm going to, someone's going to mad at me, but there's a woman James who actually Webb figured out. Space telescopes. Yeah. There's a, there's a woman that figured out the actual mathematics and he used her mathematics to figure it out. So it wasn't just him. It was actually, you know, she deserves a lot he, of credit as well. And then he got the, the credit woman. for it. How typical. That's yeah. <laughs> There you go. That's the generational thing that we're getting rid of. Hidden figures, ladies. Just watch hidden. <gasps> that's a great, that's a great one. I really, yeah, I agree. I agree. So point being that when you look at the spiritual, it's not something that you can see with your physical eyes, where God is, where God dwells, right? That's the, the spiritual heaven and then the physical realm. So then you can split it between the spiritual realm and the physical realm. So when you're looking at it, you know, in that context, if I were to talk about the spiritual realm, that would be the heavens. If I talk about the physical realms, that would be the earth, figuratively. Earth, yeah. Yeah. So if I say, oh, you're a person of the earth, I don't mean that you were literally born on the planet. Of course you were. 
right? I mean that you're a person who doesn't have spiritual understanding. So for example, for example, in John chapter three, when John the Baptist is actually testifying about Jesus, he says, there is one that comes from above and those that are below, right? And the one that's above speaks as one from heaven. They speak from above, but the one from the earth speaks from the earth. Right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that you can understand where he's not literally saying, well, of course we're speaking from the earth, but what he's, he's making a distinction between the understanding, the knowledge, spiritual knowledge of heaven and just worldly knowledge. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. But then there's an even deeper, a deeper one is when you think about here on this earth, in this physical world, you can think about the heavens and the earth being God's people. Okay, and this is the most important one, because this is the one that passes away, and the one that's mm-hmm. recreated. In Revelation chapter 21. 21, Revelation 6, Matthew 24, all of those that talk about the sun, moon, and stars going dark and falling, right, being destroyed. Oh. So the most important verse is Genesis chapter 37. Okay, Genesis chapter 37, verses 9 to 11. It's the most important one to give us an understanding that there's a different way to think about the sun, moon, and stars. And this is why I liked how you brought up, you know, Game of Thrones, because it has a lot to do with that. So Joseph was somebody that was very spiritual. God was using Joseph. Okay, Joseph is a very, very special person, right? So you guys know uh, Jacob was the one that actually was chosen. You have Jacob and Esau. So, okay, let me just go real quick. Abraham had a son, Isaac. Isaac. Right? Isaac, he ended up having two children, Jacob and Esau. Jacob was the one that was chosen by God, right? Not Esau. Jacob is the one who had the 12 sons who sons. become the 12 tribes of Israel. Yeah. Well, the 11th busy. son. Yes, he was. I think he had four wives at the time too. So the 11th, right? The 11th one was Joseph. Now, Joseph is the one that's sold into Egypt by his brothers because of all the, you know. Joseph the dreamer, multicolored. Yeah, that one. Yep. That's it. So Genesis 37 is one of his dreams. And in the dream, he dreams that the sun, the moon, and the stars are bowing down to him. When he was in the pit. No, this is before. Ah, before. Okay. Yeah. This is one of the reasons why they threw him in the pit, though. (laughs) This is... (laughs) Who are you to say these things will bow to you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yes. And Jacob, Jacob is the leader of God's people at the time, right? He's the leader of God's people. His wife is, of course, above the children because it's mother and father, and the children are supposed to respect the parents. And then you had, you know, the children. So he says, the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars are bowing down to me. And his father, first, his father is like, whoa, wait a minute. You know, are you trying to say that I, your mother and your brothers are going to bow down before you, right? Mm. And his brothers got really upset, but it says that his father kept these things in mind because he knew it was important. But think about what Jacob did. He didn't think that the literal sun, moon, and stars was going to bow down to his son. He, he equated himself to the sun. He equated his <laughs> wife to the moon. He didn't, he wasn't told that by Joseph. He knew it. He knew it. Yeah. And he saw that his, his 11 children, which at the time there wasn't the 11, but that comes later, but they bowed down, you know, they were going to bow down. So he's thinking, what does this mean? Cause he knows that he's a special person in God's eyes. So he kept it in mind, but that's why his brothers were jealous, you know, for that reason and others too. 
Wait, wait, wait. So in that context, it was father, mother, and brothers. Exactly. And what were they? They were God's chosen people. At that time, they were the only people that God was working with in order to create his kingdom. Right? Jacob was the one that actually wrestled with that angel. And he's given the name. Once he overcomes, he fights and he overcomes. So he's given the name as a blessing. He's given the name Israel. Right? It wasn't his name when he was born. It was given as a blessing. Mm -hmm. So now they become the 12 tribes of, of Israel. Yep. Israel. And what do they represent? They're represented by the sun, the moon, and the stars. That's what they're represented as. Now, why is he equated to the sun? Well, think about what the sun is physically. And this is what we always have to do. You have to look at the physical characteristics of something and then ask, why would God use that in that spiritual way, right? That figurative way. And then you have to back it up with scriptures. Okay, that's how we do all of this. That's like the formula, if you will. Mm -hmm. So think about the sun in the physical way. Now, our sun is, it's not the biggest one in our, you know, in our galaxy and definitely not the biggest one in the universe. It's, I mean, it's really actually minute when it comes to certain ones, but to us here on this earth, it's the source of life, right? It's the greatest source of light and life to us on this earth. Now, when you look at figuratively in the Bible in Psalms chapter 84, verse 11, God is equated to the sun. Why is God equated to the sun? Because he is the source of light and life, right? In this dark world, it says that God is the light. There is no darkness in him. So God is the sun because the greatest source of physical life to us is our physical sun. The greatest source of spiritual life is God. And then in Isaiah chapter 14, it equates the angels to stars. Aww. Yeah. Because they're like little lights, yeah. right? Oh, no matter so how cute. big they are. I know, right? But one of those also, stars, that's why it's called a fallen star. Because oh one gosh, of those stars Satan. actually betrays. Exactly. Ah. And the name Luciel or Lucifer, that actually means light. Light. Right? Yeah. Light bearer. Yeah. Oh, wow. But he was a fallen light. That's the problem. So when you think about it in the spiritual realm, God is the sun and the angels are the stars. But in the physical realm... You have to think about in this physical world, the greatest source of light and life for us would be the person that God has chosen. So at the time of Jacob, Jacob was the one that God had chosen. He was the one that had the truth of God. He's the one that was being used to create God's kingdom. So in the eyes of God, he's the son on this earth, S-U-N, not S-O-N, right? He's the greatest source of light and life. So figuratively speaking, a son, right? The S-U-N, the son is like the pastor, yeah. right? The leader of God's people. And then the moon, what does the moon do? It reflects the light. So it takes the light of the sun and it reflects it on the earth. That's why his wife was considered as the moon, the moon because she took his teachings as well. And her job was also, you know, to make those things yeah. known. So in the, the churches, think about the, in the eyes of the church, the head person, the person who has the highest truth, supposed to have the highest truth, would be the pastor. It would be the greatest source of light and life. And then an evangelist, someone who takes the words of their pastor and then shines it out into the dark world, that would be like the moon. And then all the congregation, all the congregation are like little stars because they're supposed to be children of light, not of darkness. 
So there's verses like Philippians, okay? Philippians chapter two, verse 15, where Paul says that you will shine like stars in the universe. Or in Matthew chapter 13, where uh, Jesus says that those that are righteous in God's kingdom will shine like the sun because we're supposed to be children of light. Right, Sam, you like to say this all the time, right? We have to be the light of the world, right? <laughs> no, yeah. I've moved on now to a fragrant aroma. Pleasing, the pleasing aroma. aroma. Yes. yes. The pleasing aroma. <laughs> so when you think about it in just a figurative sense, okay, the sun, moon, and stars, we can think about it in a, in a very physical way, the literal sun, moon, and stars. You can think about it in a difference between God and the angels and people. But then here on this earth, here on this earth, when Jesus came, what did he call himself? Right, John. And the 8, light of the world. Amen. <gasps> Why was he the light of the world? He didn't walk around glowing. Because right? he had no. God's word. Exactly. He was the greatest source of light and life because he was the greatest source of God's truth at that time. So in Malachi chapter four, it says the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, meaning the sun, S U N, that was Jesus. He was the one who was the light of the world. So when he first starts preaching, he goes to Galilee. That's the first place that he starts to preach. And there's a prophecy in Isaiah chapter nine that says the people walking in darkness will see a great light. On the land of the shadow of, of death, a light has dawned. But the people in Galilee, they had the regular sun coming and going every day, right? Mm. What was the light that was dawning? It was actually the word that was being spoken because Jesus began his ministry there. So that's where the light dawned. Now, what does this mean when it comes to the sun, moon, and stars or heaven and earth passing away? Well, this is where you have to understand about betrayal and destruction. Betrayal and destruction. God's people, he wants them to be obedient. So he makes a covenant with them. If you obey me fully, then out of all nations, you will be my treasure possession. I will make you kingdom of priests that will rule over, right? Rule and subdue the world is what he says. That's their job. And in Deuteronomy 28, it says that if you obey, you gain all the blessings. But if you break my covenant, that's it. You're done. You're done. It's they really did. Yeah. And they did over and over. Oh, please go ahead. But it changed in the New Testament. Amen. That's the new generation. Yeah. So the sun, moon, and stars of the Old Testament, that was physical Israel. Remember Jacob and his sons, they represented all of Israel. So in God's eyes, the rest of the world is darkness. All the Gentiles of the world, they don't have his truth. They don't have his knowledge. So they're not children of light, but his people were supposed to be children of light. But what happens? They betray God. The first betrayal, biggest, the biggest one is if you look at like first Kings chapter 11, King Solomon, he worships many, many false gods. So God says, that's it. I'm going to rip this kingdom out of your hands. But because of David, I'm going to do it through your son, right? Rehoboam, not you. But during that time, they're split. 11 tribes up north and only one left over, Judah. But then when you look at Isaiah chapter 1, the tribe of Judah, it says the vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem. I have reared children and they have rebelled against me. So once again, even God's own people, they all betray. So he says, I'm bringing them to an end but I'm going to recreate a new generation, a new kingdom. Yes. That's why for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Right. And if you look at the time of the first coming, 
It says the same thing at the end of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 65, verse 17, or Isaiah 66, verse 22, God says, I promise a new heaven and a new earth. So how was that fulfilled at the first coming? Jesus. Amen. So Jesus came and what did he do? He judged the physical Israelites, the people that were physical bloodline, right? You could trace your ancestry back. So you go to John chapter one, verses 11 to 13, and it says he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him, right? He came to that which was his own. Well, who is his own? His own was the physical Israelites. He says, I came to the lost sheep of Israel. That's who he came for, but they rejected him. That was the ultimate betrayal. If they hadn't done enough in the Old Testament, that was it right there. That was the ultimate betrayal. So in verses 12 and 13, John 1, 12 and 13, he gave the right to anyone who believed in his name to become a child of God, not born in the natural way, but born by the spirit, born through faith. That's us, this right? People, exactly. And it didn't matter at that point. If you look at like Romans chapter two, it, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew physically, only if you're one spiritually. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter, male, female, Gentile, Jew, none of that mattered. As long as you believed in God and as long as you believed in Jesus, then you became a child of God, right? So that was the new heaven and new earth at the time of the first coming. And it has existed. Now, this is where, this is where people might get a little bit, you know, a little angst. Um, it has existed for 2000 years, but what is promised in Revelation, a new heaven and a new earth because the first one has to pass away. Well, it's not the physical Israelites that are God's people in the time of the second coming. Who is it that's supposed to be God's people in the time of the second coming? It's the believers of Christ, right, of Jesus. So what the Bible proclaims is that once again, there's a period of darkness. Once again, there's a time when God's people are no longer following the absolute truth. So as a result of that, God is going to make that known and he's going to preach the word of light once again. And all those that come to believe in that truth or that light, they are born again by that word to be recreated into a new heaven and a new earth. I actually get from what you already been sharing this. I saw a new heaven and new earth for the first and the first earth had passed away. What is the third? There was no longer any sea. Good question. Good question. So the sea itself, there's, again, everything can be looked at in a physical sense and then in a figurative sense. So first you have to understand what water represents in the Bible. Now we're going a little bit off, but I don't really care. This is fun. So (laughs) the water itself, when you, when you look at the water, water is also, oh, go ahead, please. Yeah. But before we totally close, uh, again, sun, moon, stars, and new heaven, new earth, and past, uh, whatever was past, it really just means we all have a place. We, as long as we believe, we have our faith, there's hope that we all have a place with Him. It's true. To be with Him. So that's the good part of hearing this part of the revelation, right? Just exactly. Just to be clear on that. That though we're not necessarily, you know, of bloodlines anymore, we are chosen because we are called to by faith and we respond by faith. Yeah, Amen. yeah. That, that's how we all got here, right? Like we're not yeah. Israelites. We're not related to Abraham or any of those guys. But because we believe in Jesus, we are now the chosen people. 
of this right. generation. Right, Instructor Aaron? The only thing, okay, the only thing is that when prophecy is being fulfilled again at the time of the second coming, exactly. there's another choice. Right. Again, it's going to pass. Exactly. No, you're, you're totally right. A hundred percent. And the thing is, is at that time when revelation is being fulfilled, who's willing to believe in it? That's going to be the deciding factor. Just calling yourself a believer is no longer enough when prophecies are being fulfilled, just like the time of the first coming. Because what is, you know, what does Jesus say about those people at that time? He says, he says, I will tell you the truth and the truth will set you free. And the people are like, what are you talking about? We've never been slave to anyone. He's like, actually, your father's the devil. And they're like, what are you talking about? Our father's Abraham. We only have what we're not illegitimate children. Our father is God. He's like, actually, if God was your father, you'd listen to me. Yeah. But you're not listening. Yeah. Exactly. But they didn't. Yeah. So imagine that now imagine the second coming. Imagine the second coming, and Jesus once again is making the truth known. And people that were supposed to believe in Jesus say, No, I don't believe that that's the truth. What do you think is going to happen to those people? You see what I'm saying? That's why it's so important to know, is this the time? Going back to our last episode, if you don't know what time you're living in, then you cannot have the proper faith at that time. But if you realize what time you're living in, the only thing you have to do, the only thing is to learn what's being done at that era and then understand and believe that it's coming from God. That's faith. Okay. So with, with that said, and that's mm. settled, and hopefully we won't be the one that will pass away <laughs> because it mm-hmm. still has, there will be a passing. Unfortunately, that is true. There will be a passing away. When I mean, that's what the Bible says, right? Yeah, right. So yeah. let's hope we're not that. That's why we're working on it. <laughs> Back to the second part, which I know it wasn't, there was no longer any C. Okay, now I want to go to that. Sorry, I just wanted to close no, that no chapter problem. very well. So what is the C? What were you saying? What is the meaning of water back then? Let's go there. Perfect. Okay. It actually is right along with it. It's the it's passing away as well. Okay, passing ah, away as well. What as washes water. it away? No, no, it's close, close. It is disappearing. So first we have to understand water. Okay, so water in our physical lives, again, it's the source of life, right? Without water for us, we'll die rather quickly right? Seven to 10 days, they say, and then you're pretty much gone. Same thing with all the plants, like you're drinking water now. Same thing with all the plants, right? And all the the, the animals, if we don't have water, it creates, you know, a drought, a drought causes a famine, famine, death, that's pretty much it. Now think about it in the, the figurative sense, something that is the source of life for our spirits. So there's a verse in Deuteronomy, it's one of my favorite ones, it's beautiful. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse one and two. It says, let my teachings fall like rain and my words descend like dew, right? So God's word is equated to water from above. Why? Because we're like the plants, right? Isaiah chapter 40, all men are like grass of the field, right? Or Psalms chapter one, it says a person that's meditating on the word is like a tree planted next to the river, right? Jesus himself says, I am the true vine. You are the branches. So we're like the plants. We're also like animals. So what do we need? We need the spiritual water to allow our spirits to live. Amen. But there's, oh, go ahead, please. Hmm? But it says, and there was no longer any sea. So we know what the water is. It's life. But, and there was no longer. In the Bible, one of the most important things to realize is that there are two spirits. 
right? Two spirits. There's God's spirit and there's Satan's spirit. So go back to the very, very beginning. In the Garden of Eden, how many trees were there that we had to be concerned with? Two. There was the tree of life, but there was also the tree of the knowledge of good ah, and, good and evil. evil. Which where they, that's where they bit. Yeah. Exactly. If you eat from the tree of life, you gain eternal life. But if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it was death. So the same thing can be said about the sun, moon, and stars. God has his pastor, right? Which is giving his truth. But Satan has his pastor, which he's using. So at the time of the first coming, Jesus would have been the true pastor, the true person of God. But the Pharisees, the scribes, the teachers of the law, they were the leaders of the time. They were preaching inside of God's kingdom, right? So they would have been Satan's pastor or Satan's son, S-U-N. And this is important because in Revelation, there's also the, the figurative son that represents Satan's false pastors as well. Okay. So let me keep it going here for a moment. Now, when you think about the two, gods and Satan's, you always have to look at the figurative language as the same. So just as there's a scripture in Isaiah chapter five, Isaiah chapter five, verse 20, it says they take light for darkness and darkness for light. How can you do that? Right. How can you take light for darkness and darkness for light? Right. It doesn't make any logical sense, but it means that they take the truth and they think of it as a lie and they think the lie is the truth. So Satan has his own light as well. Right. His own light. <clears throat> of course, it's not the light that gives us life. Now, carry that over into water. Water is the same thing. You have God's water, which is from above, the raining down from above. That's why he equates it to the rain, right? Let my words descend like dew. Very refreshing, right? Very beautiful sounding. But then you also have the sea. Now think about the sea in the world. Okay? The sea is a large, vast body of water that has many different ways that it's actually created. There's rain from above, but there's also the water that comes from below and all the streams and rivers that go into it. Now, the most important thing about the sea is that you can't drink it, right? If you drink it, what happens? You die. You die. And there's the answer. See, it's only like 3%. It's actually like 3.5% salt. It's like 96.5% actual pure water. But that little tiny percentage that causes it to be poison for our bodies. So you don't want to drink the salt water. You don't want to drink that water. You want to have the crystal clear water from heaven, right? So think about it in a figurative sense. Water itself represents teachings or the word, okay? Water represents teachings or the word. Now, if it's God's teaching, it's crystal clear water of life. You read like Revelation chapter 22, come and drink the free gift of the water of life, right? The river of the water of life is flowing from the throne of God. But if it's Satan's water, it's poison. Mm. It's called bitter water. Right? So in Revelation chapter 8, there's a star that falls on the springs and the rivers, and it makes them bitter, and anyone that drinks from them dies. We talked about what the star actually represents, right? Something from Satan that falls. Okay? So the sea itself, it's the sea good. itself represents all the mixed teachings of the world. Yeah. So there was no longer any sea. So at the time, this will happen, Sam, this new heaven and new earth. There will no longer be any sea because it's going to be crystal clear. Amen. In Ezekiel chapter 47, Ezekiel 47 is a prophecy 
that talks about how from the temple, water's flowing out. And that water flows out into the sea and it makes the salt water fresh. And then all the living creatures come and swarm around. But in the physical sea, they need the salt water, right? Those animals need it. So it's not talking about the literal sea that's going to become fresh. The word of God will go out into the world and it will cover the earth. It will cover the sea, all the mixed teachings. That's what it says in like Habakkuk. It talks about how the knowledge of God will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea, right? So in the end, when all things are said and done, when a new heaven and new earth is created, meaning a new people of God, a new people of God who have the word of truth, God is going to remove all of the false teachings of the earth because Satan will be captured. Revelation chapter 20, Satan's captured. All the lies will no longer be spoken. And that's why it says there's no longer any sea. Because who's in control of the sea? It's actually Satan. It's Satan. Oh, <laughs> I got that one. That was, that was good. That was a good we one. We got a thumbs up from Isa, everybody on Spotify. Okay. I'm very <laughs> thankful that it's not the literal sea. That's what I'd like to, because I love the sea. But anyway, yeah. yeah. I only have one comment, though, uh, about the, the usage of uh, sea or, or even water. Because whenever there was a time of cleansing, it was also through water. Uh, Noah's right. Ark, they were swept away, right? Mm. So uh, what else? Uh, the 40, or 40, is it 40 or the sea? Sorry, I'm, I'm getting confused now. But for some reason, it's always also, it was also cleansing. That's why even the baptism, cleansing. Yep. So and that's I, what baptism means. This is sea, but this is sea. You're not right. saying water, right? So yeah. It's just that. It's the. Well, I, just I, like. I mean, a, yeah. No, no, no. Just like I said, though, there's two of everything. So the sea that's being passed away, that's the one that belongs to Satan, right? That's why it goes away. But there's also a crystal clear, beautiful sea that belongs to God. Revelation chapter four, verse six. When you look at Revelation four, it's the throne or the structure of God. And inside of the kingdom of heaven. It says that there's God's throne, the 24 elders, the four living creatures, the seven spirits, and the crystal clear, right? This, um, this uh, sea that's crystal clear. The sea of glass is what it's called, right? The sea of glass. Now, in Moses' tabernacle, back in the Old Testament, there's a water basin, mm -hmm. okay? And you had to wash your hands and feet in order to go into the temple, and it was lined with women's mirrors, now, the reason it was lined with that is because when you're washing your hands and feet, you have to look at yourself. So it's meant to say you're supposed to wash yourself by looking at yourself before you go before God. Yeah. But what does the water represent? It represents the word of God. So what's the real word of God that we have? It's the Bible. So the, the baptism that you talk about, that's the cleansing, right? Purifying. That's what baptize you know, means. Well, Jesus says in John 15, verse 3. You are clean because the word I have spoken to you, right? So the very word, that's the washing. That's washing people clean. You're washing your heart. You're washing your spirit. Jesus says in John chapter four or John chapter seven, that when he gives you the living water, when he gives you that water, then that water will well up inside of you, becoming springs of living water that flow out into the earth. Well, we don't become literal springs, but what do we do? We have the word of God that actually spills out. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? So you become a part of that river of the water of life. Beautiful. So 
It is. Isn't it? I think this language is really beautiful. It's amazing. And it's, like goal, it's like goals, guys. Be part of that new heaven, new earth. Right, like right. Clear glass, a glacier of glass or something. Yeah. It's all water, but the Bible does mention different kinds of water, different bodies of water, and they all mean something. You know, and I, it like we can't take it lightly. I think mm. we really need to put in the time to figure out what does God mean. I love what you said, Instructor Aaron, about how I think we all open the Bible and read it and try to try to see like, okay, what does this mean to me? But God wrote these words, yeah, and we're supposed to try to figure out what God means. I think that was kind of like a light bulb moment for me hmm. today. Yeah. And what's really important yeah. is we can't quote unquote figure it out. Right. Right. When yeah. it comes to prophecy, when yeah, it comes yeah. to prophecy, we can anticipate. Um, we're meant to hold on to it as it says. Like Second Peter chapter one talks about how we have these prophecies that are like a light that we're meant to hold on to. But it's not until the fulfillment comes. Yeah. But when the actual fulfillment comes, like, for example, the heaven and earth, sun, moon, and stars. If God says, I'm creating a new heaven and earth, a new sun, moon, and stars, and this is how I'm doing it. That is this. That is this. This is this. this is, then you can go, okay, now I can take that knowledge because God has now revealed that. And I can look at the entire Bible and see how God has been speaking in this way from the very beginning. And in Revelation, every single chapter of Revelation, every single chapter, you'll see, then I saw, then I was shown, yeah. the angel showed me, which means that at the time that John was writing it, he was the one that saw it. But at the time that it's fulfilled, there has to be someone that actually sees it. There has to be someone who has witnessed that event. And if many people proclaim, I'm that person, I'm that person, okay, prove it to me. I've got some questions for you. Yeah. I'm going to ask you every question I can think of inside of Revelation, every question about every prophecy. And if you can't explain it to me perfectly, because it has to be perfect. It can't be, well, I think this and it might be and it could be. Mm -mm. If you can't explain it perfect, then you didn't see anything. Right. What is the beast with seven heads and ten horns? What sea did it come out of? By the way, that's another really important one. The beast comes out of the sea. That's why it's got to go away. But um. <laughs> What are these things? What does it mean that he has seven heads and 10 horns? Ten horns. Yeah. What is the horse that has a head on the tail breathing fire? What do these things mean? How is that fulfilled? Well, I think it's going to be this or it could mean that it, nah, uh, uh, uh. it was fulfilled at this time. These people were this and this is why it's called the head. This is why it's called the fire. Every single thing. And that's why in Revelation and that's why in Genesis and that's why in the first coming, everything lines up perfect. If you're the actual witness speaking on behalf of God, you should be able to testify it and prove it. So that's why this person that we proclaim, you know, as you said, Chairman, you know, Man Lee, or his real name, like in Korean, they would say, you know, the last name first. So, you know, E Man He is what they actually pronounce it as. But if this person truly is the one who actually claims that he is, he should be able to answer all those questions. Right? Yep. Yep, and yep, that's what yep, he yep. that's what he says every single day. That's what he's calling out to all the pastors at any time. Let's have a discussion. Let's sit down and I will show you. 
And that's why, like you said, they're making it all known on the testimony, like all the, the seminars that are being out there. It's so that anyone can listen and say, okay, here you go. You want to know whether or not this is the truth? Then you can watch it anytime you want on your own terms. Take as long as you want. Come up with as many questions as you want. And then if it's the truth, you should believe in it. Yeah. He would have called yeah. my uncle. <laughs> I mean, how you guys are going about it, really, it's like this person is either hell-bent on making a fool of himself or is completely telling us the truth. Like, and you know what? Jesus was also like that. Yep. He said some pretty like out there stuff, which was offensive. And people were like, who are you? Like, how dare you say these things? We don't it's know you from Adam. He, he, you know? he threw people out of the temple. <laughs> right, right. Flip tables and, you know, yeah. all those things. Um, in any case, all that to say, this is what they're sharing right now. This is what we're trying to break down. I think maybe some of our listeners hear today's episode on the figurative language of heaven, earth, sun, moon, stars, and then maybe still have that hanging question of like, okay, so there's a spiritual way of understanding that. But then the book of Revelation says that they're going to darken and they're going to fall. They're going to pass away. So what does mm. this mean for us? If this is the prophecy for the second coming and you're saying that this is happening now, I think because okay. all of those questions are going to be answered at some point is Dr. Yeah. Aaron, right? Like I'm, what I'm realizing as we talk about these parables is the whole point of these conversations on the parables is to give our listeners and all of us this perspective of like these things that you read, they're not physical. They're not just physical. There's a spiritual way of understanding these things. Right. And I think we do have to take it step by step because it is a lot of information, but we yes. guarantee if we, if you stick around and we get to that point where we actually break down just the book of revelation, we're going to answer these questions is just my a, point. Just a slight correction, not parables, prophecies. Parables are open oh. to interpretation. Prophecies. There's just one way. It's I, I, I understand. And you're right when it comes to like, if a, a parable is just being used for like regular moral yeah. teachings, but the parables actually that Jesus speaks about, they are prophecy. Oh, as That's well. the part. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so yeah. the parable themselves, the, the secrets that when, when you specifically are talking about the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, there's a difference between um, like the, the basic parable of, you know, don't the worry Samaritan. about the speck of dust. Yeah. yeah the the Samaritan, like things like that, or don't, don't worry about the speck of dust in your brother's eye when you got a plank of wood in your own eye, you know, that's fine. Right. That one's easy. No one needs like a, you know, it's not a deep secret about why are you looking at somebody else's faults when you got, you know, big faults of yourself, you know, that type of thing. Mm. But if you uh, read Matthew 13, it'll give you a really good example. In Matthew 13 verses 10 and 11, he says, I'm speaking in these parables because it's the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. So in that sense, they're talking about, yeah, prophecies. For the yeah. Okay. If you guys are catching this 
parable or figurative language for the first time, like this is the first one that you're listening to, you can go back to the first one. This is a series that we're doing. It's called Road to Revelation, right? So we've numbered them R to R on Spotify. And then we have a playlist called Road to Revelation on YouTube. So you can start it from the very beginning. But, you know, Isa, thank you so much for jumping in on this one. And yeah, I love the the perspective that you brought with you today about, you know, Game of Thrones and which of course you would being the actress that you are. Um, and Our Instructor fan. Aaron, yeah, it's Instructor Aaron, really thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you also yeah. Instructor Aaron. I, I learned a lot. I, I love that class on on Revelation 21.1. Thank you. Well, thank yeah. you for, uh, thank you for willing, you know, being willing to listen and actually having good questions and you can really tell when people come from a place of wanting to understand, you can just tell by their questions and by, you know, they're okay. Well, what about this? And, oh, that's, into, but what about, you know, it's really interesting. I love it. Is that I, hunger? I, is that exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Actually, yeah. there you go. Yes, that is hunger. Cause you can do a lot of be like, yeah, whatever. I don't need to know this. Yep. But yep, yep, it, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Isa. You know, you're such a busy girl and we really appreciate you making time to join us on the podcast. Yeah. And I feel, I feel very, I feel very special. I get to meet her. (laughs) (laughs) It was definitely special meeting you, Instructor Aaron, and listening to you. Yeah. Yeah. These conversations like blow our minds and Mm. we thank you so much for joining us today. Again, Instructor Aaron is on Healing Leaves on YouTube. Um, Tina Ryan, of course, does the podcast, the Dog Behind the Human podcast with Dog Coach Francis. Everywhere else you can find Isa, we'll link it down below. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode and we'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye.